0: Hi, this is Pete Best, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We will tell your people to surrender now, and avoid war. Don't think you can get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule.
1: It is your sacred duty to tell us the truth, confess and that you will give me witchcraft.
0: And overrun the entire world. We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. We bring to all people.
1: Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Sci-Fi Saturday night.
0: Good evening, unless it's morning, and welcome yet again to an Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you're gonna hear stuff. This week is episode 503, which is an obscenely large number to be doing this for no apparent reason. And I'm told by Kriana that our numbers keep creeping up, which means that people are actually listening to us, uh, which I find absolutely ridiculous, but I'll take her word for it because she, she never fibs unless she wants something from me, so I'll take that as a good sign. Joining me tonight here at the uh, at the Area 51 uh, snack bar and uh, and uh, Squirrel Cage is, is my good friend Captain Cam. How are you tonight, sir?
1: Well, I had a mouthful of acorns there for a moment, so thank you for giving me a second to get those out. Not
0: a problem. Always happy to oblige. You know, this is our first show back, uh, even though from the perspective of people who actually bother to listen to the show, this is our first show back since the Upper Valley Comic Expo. And I would like to take a moment, if I might, just to, to thank... All, all of the uh exhibitors and, and friends and artists and writers who uh were there as 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 uh exhibitors and writers and and talent and and to all the 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 wonderful people in the upper valley who came by and showed their support and 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 did and and, and came by and had a great time and I had a wonderful time there. It was, uh, it was a wonderfully relaxed day.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say it was very nice. We got to meet, got to see some old friends, uh, make some new ones. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, and we uh, had a pretty good turnout, you know, it wasn't too overly crowded. Uh, everybody was masked up, which was good. And,
0: well, the town uh, kind of required that, which I think was a good thing, um, yeah. and, and, and I think in, retros- in retrospect was a wonderful requirement to have. But by the same token, um, it didn't seem to deter anyone from actually enjoying themselves. Uh, there were a lot of uh, kids and, and, and young adults there, as well as actual adults as well. And uh, it seemed like everybody, uh, uh, the the attendees, seemed to actually enjoy themselves. And uh, I I know that a lot of the vendors and artists seemed to actually enjoy themselves as well. So uh, all in all, I think it was a a wonderful time. I I do want to take just a moment to to thank uh, uh, our staff. And and the the cast who who did a, a marvelous job of planning this for two years, actually for longer than two years, thanks to COVID, because that's uh, we we kept having to push it because of the COVID debacle. But uh, gosh, uh, you guys all did a wonderful job, and uh, towards the end there, wasn't as much help as. I, I wanted to be, but it, it went off awfully well and just seemed like a, a great time for everyone. You're going to make
1: me cry here, Dom. You don't want <laughs> me to do that.
0: No, I think that would be silly, but... That would maybe, be silly. I mean, you can if you want to. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, I, and I mean, the the event venue, uh, the... Uh, the Fireside Inn, they they were just wonderful, and helpful, and and gosh, and everybody was just it just went off very well. I, I I can't stress that enough.
1: Yeah, it's almost like we knew what we were doing, or at least had a had a, a rough idea.
0: I, I think the concept of rough idea works really well here.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but. uh Gosh, and it was so nice to see a lot of people that, you know, because, you know, frankly, without having a convention in over two years, it was nice to see a lot of people again.
1: Yeah, Oh, most definitely. It was good to see all those uh, those familiar faces and get the chat and hang out and talk. And yeah, it. it I mean, but just to throw out a few names, I mean, somebody that's been on the show, but the uh, the folks at uh, Dreamforge uh, made the uh, long trip uh, up to see us. And oh, from Pennsylvania. That to...
0: Gosh, that was awfully nice of them, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it was nice to actually meet face-to-face instead of over this uh, this thing we do here. So, And it was good just to see everybody else that we... Yeah. I uh, haven't seen in ages or have only met through the uh, th- this uh, platform we use here.
0: And 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 make a bunch of new friends at the same time. So, yeah, all things considered. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And a lot of fun. Uh, uh, and And who knows who knows where it goes from here. But. Gosh, I enjoyed myself more than I should have. <laughs> whatever that means and i have no idea what it actually means oh good but
1: so you so you don't remember everything you did so when i show you the videotape later this month you're
0: best not I, be video because i i was under way too much medication at that point and and frankly still am you think we ought to get to the guest
1: yeah i think that'd be a good idea
0: okay so let's do that Um. It'd be different if we didn't know who this guy was, but he's been on before. And, hey, he's back again. Uh, But we're going to talk about something a little different than we usually talk to him about. Uh, Because in the past, we've talked to him about his his theater stuff. Uh, We've talked to him about his comic books. And we've ignored what is, in fact, the lead in his biography, which is he is a distinguished professor of history which we've said, a former Fulbright professor slash scholar, which we've talked about, a US Army aviator, we've kind of talked about, and a defense contractor, which we've never talked about. And the one thing we've ignored is him having led a paranormal life since age four, which includes alien contact. And of course I'm talking about Dr. Bruce Olive Sondheim, who we're welcome Solheim, whom we're welcoming back for the fourth time, because in in the past couple of years, he's really started to work a little bit more uh, in the UFO community to talk about UFO experiences and what's going on in the UFO community. So Bruce, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night.
2: Well, thank you guys. I I appreciate uh, you inviting me back. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to have fun talking about uh, a great topic.
0: Well, it's, it's not a topic that we're particularly uh, new to over the years. uh, We've had on people like Stanton Friedman and, and Kathleen Marsden and uh, believe it or not, uh, we had one of the very last interviews with Betty Hill before she passed. And man, let me tell you, there was an interesting interview.
2: And, oh, I bet. <laughs> uh,
0: and the, the, the background of that interview uh, goes all the way back to when I was teaching high school and I had a journalism class and I had a, a couple of uh, really good journalism students who were looking for a really good interview. And I said, did you know that we have an actual verified alien abductee who lives in New Hampshire? And they said, no, I didn't. And I said, why don't you see if you can get an interview with her? And they did. And I got the interview recorded and we edited it all up and uh, she was just wonderful during it. She, and she was everything you would have expected as, as open and as giving as, as, as uh, you would have expected Betty Hill to be. So let's talk about you now. Uh, and what, what is it, that your
2: expertise brings to the table? Yeah, well, uh, I've done a lot of research uh, on on uh, what's going on with this UFO phenomena, and, or UAP, uh, un- Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, as the government likes to call it now. And I've been following closely the last year, which has been pretty remarkable with the report to Congress and and now the uh, actually the UAP research being done under the Department of Defense now. So they're obviously the government's taking it very seriously. They well, have been taking it seriously. I was going to say never, never they, out in the open. <laughs> they, it's in the do, open now. Do we though.
0: not believe that they haven't been taking it seriously since yeah. for for decades and oh, simply yeah. not chosen to to make it public?
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and a lot of people who would. Not have spoken about this topic before for fear of uh you know being laughed at or whatever including myself i didn't i I didn't share any of my paranormal stuff uh except for you know that a, a few close friends uh you know publicly uh and even though I would had experiences since I was four years old so uh i I kept it under wraps and it was really just uh, i think about four or five years ago that I was convinced. a friend of mine who actually had passed away and i saw him in a vision which is not unusual for me Uh, after he passed away he told me to uh it was time to start telling my stories uh and talk about it publicly because the timing was right and boy was he right uh, because the timing was right and there was really no need for me to fear you know losing my job you know i'm a tenured professor here in southern california and uh, i have had nothing but support from my colleagues, from students, uh, from the, uh, the the college administration. They even let me teach a paranormal course, paranormal history course. I teach, uh, uh, you know, as, as part of community education in the evenings. I haven't done it since the pandemic, but before I taught it for a year and a half and uh, well attended. And um, so there was really no reason for me to, you know, to fear uh, that I would be, you know, ostracized or lose my job. but. Uh, it, it it is pretty remarkable. And, and, uh, you know, this includes everything from, you know, the standard kind of paranormal stuff, you know, telepathy, telekinesis, or psychokinesis, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, ghosts, angels, demons, and, and also the UFO and, and alien stuff, including abduction. Um, so I've had these experiences, I'm kind of a lightning rod for all of this. And now I'm I'm uh, I I talk about it freely. I have no no worries at all. In fact, well I'm three. I, I had a, I've had a published four books about all these experiences. So what do you think is changing
0: uh, in terms of our society that is number one uh, brought our government to the point where they're well where 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 they dropped three videos in the past year. Mm-hmm. and and have frankly said we don't have a clue
2: what it is and we're not concerned to be able to show it yeah it's it's interesting i think there's a paradigm shift going on uh, of understanding or what uh, my sources in the spirit world tell me is a is a leap of consciousness going on where they realize that they're going to need the help of a lot more people than just some you know folks in a think tank uh in washington dc you know they need uh, all the experiencers like myself and and the other folks you mentioned and the scientists and researchers they need to all be able to talk freely and openly and share ideas and uh you know you do run the risk of there's going to be some people that are you know less than credible let's say uh out there and you know kind of making things more difficult to understand, but uh, I, I think they need help. They need help to understand what's going on. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm here to help. Uh, I think many of my friends, I belong to a group called CERO, which is Close Encounter Resource Organization. It's headquartered here in Southern California. And uh, there are, you know, retired lawyers, a, a state attorney general, you know, all kinds of people that belong to this group. And we all share our experiences and try to make sense of it and and uh yeah in fact a friend of mine who's a retired lawyer um he uh, just sent a his ufo briefing book out to every member of of congress which i thought was pretty impressive uh and the vice president as well and he actually got some responses back from some of those folks uh, about how to approach this subject seriously and and what questions need to be asked you know Now that, uh, you know, for some of them, they they always knew kind of what was going on, but they didn't want to officially acknowledge it for fear of maybe losing an election or somebody using a negative campaign ad against them or something, you know, and use the goofy, you know, UFO graphic with the funny, you know, spaceship noise to to humiliate somebody. But now uh, it's a different world. I think it is a different world. And I think people are generally ready.
0: There are two main issues uh number one is that the government for decades since roswell has gone out of its way to discredit whatever they possibly can and 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 since roswell since project blue book uh project sign through throughout all of it and the the, the that kind of double standard of Working in the background uh, to discredit whatever they can, and at the same time, uh, working clearly as as they're now showing, uh, trying to figure out exactly what's going on without telling anybody, including evidently the highest levels of government, including uh, presidents, we're asking for information.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so how does that how does that gel? How does that jive?
2: Well, it's it, it, if you look at the language in the uh, the uh, uh, redacted report that that was published, you know, not not the uh, the secret one that they gave to Congress, but the one that we all saw, there's there's some language in there. Uh, and uh, what one thing they mentioned eight times is uh, the word threat. And they're looking at this, uh, in my view, in the wrong way, but they're looking at it as a security threat, as a military threat, Uh, you know, these UAPs, because they, you know, they acknowledge we don't know what they are. We don't know why they do what they do. Uh, We don't know if they're, you know, the enemy or, or, you know, hostile forces. We don't know if it's something else, which they don't, they don't say alien, but, you know, that's, you could substitute (laughs) that in there for it so um they're they're still looking at it as a as a threat because they're and because of that and and there could be different reasons for that one reason could be that that's how you justify budget you know if you can get people thinking man this is a threat you know alien invaders so we better you know double the the defense budget and keep that rolling uh but the other thing just just could be that you know what pe- people are afraid of what they don't understand and these are people with their you know, with their uh, finger on the button and, and all the purse strings, you know, in terms of funding. And where I think it's going wrong is that it's, you know, like I said earlier, that it, it is a leap of consciousness. And that is what is required for us to evolve and to be able to communicate with on a, on a you know, not a clandestine level, but on a uh, a, a more regular level with folks that are we we call aliens which other people called i think uh whitley streber calls them uh uh what does he call them the visitors yes uh the ancient people called them uh uh, star people which i love that that's one of my favorite uh thing you know other people call them extraterrestrials um so I, i i think that this is a great opportunity for all of us and from what i'm being told and you know through my communicate spirit communication and i'll explain that in a little bit but uh, that the technology which governments around the world and we're not the only one interested in what the heck's going on not by a uh, long shot no yeah the, every you know you, you better believe the chinese and the russians are interested in everybody else um th- they somehow think that you can mm-hmm. uh, and i i have an fbi friend who even confirmed this he said they're, they're trying to figure out a way to strap a bomb to this stuff So they can use it as a weapon and uh, it's it's exactly the wrong, you know, wrong morally, but also wrong because that's not what's going to happen because they're not going to allow that to happen. This alien technology cannot be used to harm anybody. It's going to be used to, you know, once we, uh, you know, enter this this leap of consciousness once we evolve then we'll be able to more fully understand and implement this and without killing ourselves or tr- attempting to kill each other and, uh, and 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 that's the the point and that's why it's been going so slow and uh, the government's been you know holding their cards very close to their chest you know because they've always figured it was some kind of uh, uh advantage you know or as i was told uh this is a quote from Uh, uh, Well, I got to explain who he is. But anyway, Anzar is an ancient alien mystic who I have communication with. And I know that's a leap for people, but uh, he's told me that extraterrestrial technology and wisdom are precious gifts for all, not a strategic advantage for the few. So that's what this leap of consciousness is about. You can't look at it in in a military sense. You have to look at it almost in a spiritual sense you know, or a higher sense than, uh, you know, than our everyday uh, pedestrian understanding of, of life on earth. And uh, just to say a little bit more about these, uh, you know, spirit communication, I, you know, like I said, I've been having paranormal experiences uh, since I was four. Mm-hmm. And, uh I'm able to, and my mom was very psychic, so I think it runs in the family. My my uh, daughter is very interested in this, and my son has had some experience. My youngest son has had some experiences as well. But uh, I'm able to communicate with those that have passed on. And I know that, you know, for a lot of folks, oh, it's spooky, you know, kind of stuff or whatever. But it's really normal for me. I mean, I, I remember the first time I went to an open casket funeral, and the, uh, it was a family friend, the old Norwegian man and i i heard him speaking to me during the uh the service he was talking to me telling me not to be afraid that he was okay and i remember looking at my mom who was next to me my dad was between my mom and i and i looked at my mom and she just winked at me because my dad didn't want to hear any of this stuff he was very practical a fisherman carpenter you know immigrant hard working guy and he he thought that was all foolishness so but my mom and i had that special bond And uh, so I I have regular communication with with folks that have passed on. And a a lot of it during my life was just random and frequent. It was frequent, but random. I didn't really know how to manage it. And it was only five years ago that I decided I'm going to learn how to manage this stuff. And now I take uh, regular spirit walks, about two or three a week, where I go out and I walk in a very special place where I live here in Southern California, walking up towards the mountains. And I'm able to reach the spirit world, which, by the way, just to lay the foundation here, in, in my view, and I'm not the only one that believes this, there are a lot of scientists who believe this too. Uh, the spirit world, the alien world, and the quantum world, the world of quantum mechanics, are all the same thing. And that's really how, where they operate. And uh, so it's a, it's, it's a very different reality than what you and I are experiencing right now and every once in a while we catch glimpses of it but you can get into a meditative state and be able to communicate with those that are in that realm which includes you know people who have passed on uh you know what we would call ghosts or spirits and also extraterrestrials the visitors or the star people if you want to say
0: <laughs> let me let me just shift gears just a little yeah. bit um, because we're talking about how the government has supposedly spent all this effort on hiding things, and yet there's been one rather vocal, supposedly government official who supposedly worked at Area 51 for supposedly a number of years mm-hmm. by the name of Bob Lazar. Yep. Um just want to get your, your concept, your, your feelings on, uh, who he is, what he is, what he's done.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert on Bob Lazar and I, I know how Stanton, uh, Friedman, uh, thought of him. He, he thought he was a, uh, a, a phony, a charlatan. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember now. I don't, You know, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, documentary stuff. I've read uh, his his uh, book, I think that he came out with. Um, And I I think there is a grain of truth to it. Uh, I don't know if the whole thing is true, but uh, I, you know, I, I can't say for for a fact because I didn't do the research. I know George Knapp believes there's grains of truth there, you know, and he's pretty well respected uh but for some reason he rubbed uh Stanton the wrong way or Stanton just took it as you know this guy like you said is a charlatan that he's you know a hoaxer or whatever um so i can't say definitively cuz i didn't do all the all the research on him but i think there there is a grain of truth to it and and even if there isn't that doesn't mean that uh, this stuff doesn't uh exist you know uh you know I, i'll just put it that way so i'm I'm not trying to be shifty with my answer but i'm just understood Understood. if i haven't if i haven't done all the research i can't say definitively what i think but just based on i think there's something there you know there's some smoke there so but the the thing is you know a lot of folks in the ufo community i mean you get all types if you go to like i was a speaker at contact in the desert it was virtual this time this year but um, i was supposed to be last year in person but then it got canceled uh, but the year before I went and, uh, you know, you see all types of people, you see people that, uh, you know, like to do the cosplay stuff and, and that's cool. And, uh, people are just kind of into it, but they don't really understand it. And then there's, you know, true believers. And then there's people, you know, then there's charlatans as well. Some of them get exposed. Some don't. And, yeah, every, uh, yeah.
0: Every, every year, uh, as you know, I live in New England mm-hmm. and, uh, every New every Hampshire, year, right? Right, yep. and and not far from Exeter, which is uh, where uh, Betty and Barney Hill were uh, mm-hmm. ab- abducted. And every year they have, well, I, I hesitate to call it an abduction festival, mm-hmm. uh, but it's kind of what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and which is actually the first time I met Stanton Friedman. Mm-hmm and and actually uh the following year uh, met um uh, met uh Kathleen Marsden mm-hmm. and and it was it attracts all kinds he, i there was a guy walking his dog with a tin hat mm-hmm. and at the same time at the town hall stanton was giving a lecture so, yeah. you know, there's there's the myriad of every color of the rainbow there. Yeah. So you never really know what you're going to run into along the way. But uh, to be honest with you, Bob Lazar has always intrigued me if for nothing more than the depth of, if it is a fantasy, uh, the the quality of the depth
2: of that fantasy. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing else. I I, under, I understand what you're saying. That's what's so uh uh you know interesting about it is there's you know you you've got very well respected people like Stan Friedman who you know out and out don't believe the guy. But then you look at it and the, and there's grains of truth. Like I said, there's grains of truth. So there's something there. I don't know if it's quite being presented, you know, totally accurately, or if there is some fanatization there or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it, you know, I, it, it is fascinating to me, and I did enjoy his his, his book. And uh, I it would be great if somebody else that was in that program that he was part of would step forward. Obviously, could step
0: that, forward and just yeah either say no, absolutely um, not, or yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, it takes one person to go, yep. yeah, and then all of a sudden you can go start to put other things I- I- into play. Yeah. But, you know, the, the world is filled with so many puzzling little aspects about yep. what is happening, what has happened since... We started seeing lights in the sky since we started realizing that we're not alone.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, you know what? uh, There's a couple of things I wanted to say. One thing I just wanted to go back to New Hampshire. Sure. One of my most profound ghost experiences was in New London, New Hampshire. I'm not sure if I mentioned that in in previous times. No, I don't remember. At at Colby Sawyer College, I, I was interviewing for a job before I got this job here so you know over 20 years ago but uh they put me up in the old academy building in New London New Hampshire at Colby Sawyer College unbeknownst to me it was one of the most haunted locations in New England (laughs) I didn't know that going in so it's not like I went in with oh my god I'm gonna get haunted tonight but uh I it was uh yeah it was Susan Colby the founder of the college who I encountered. And it was a very profound experience. And I'm very sensitive to this stuff anyway, but with, with no forewarning, I had the most incredible, uh, experiences, haunting experiences. And, and, uh, yeah, the, it was great. Cause the next morning I went, I, I went to get some coffee. I was kind of shaken up and there was a guy s- sweeping the, the porch in front of this coffee shop. And he was a new England guy had the great accent and everything. And and uh he said, What are you here for? I said, I'm here for a job interview. And he said, Where are you staying? I said, In the old academy building. And he says, Did they tell you it's haunted? And I said, No, they didn't bother to tell me that, but I'm here to tell you that it is. Haunted. And then he went on to tell me, you know, it was one of the most haunted places. And that uh, a, a professor had stayed there, or somebody interviewing for the job had stayed there the week before and didn't make it through the night. They ran out screaming into the, the streets. And they had to put them up in a other hotel somewhere, but wow. um, but that's that's cool. So New Hampshire is a very 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 cool place. But I just wanted to 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 say that. And um, you know, talking about what you know, I was mentioning star people earlier. There, there's a connection to ancient people here. And what I'm also being told, besides that this is a leap of consciousness, that we're entering into an era of reconversion. And and what i'm being told that is is where we take what ancient people knew how they were connected to the universe how they were connected to the earth to animals to everything and have that that understanding coupled with our scientific and technological understanding to kind of merge the two as we take this leap of consciousness and that's what's going to cause this this next step in our evolution it all sounds really wonderful and I, I'm here to tell you, it, I think it is going to be wonderful. I'm told it's going to be wonderful, but there's a caveat that there's going to be some rough times getting there, which is understandable, right? People basically are resistant to change. And this is a paradigm shift we're undergoing. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be very upset and, and it's just going to shake their worlds. And, and, you know, it's going to, it's going to cause some people falling off in different directions and so, so the good news ultimately will be okay, but it's going to be a rough ride, you know, to get there.
0: Well, you don't see that it's been a rough ride to this point already in yes. the past thirty years.
2: Yes. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it it has, and it's going to get it's going to get even rougher, you know. I I I know that we're also uh, going through a, uh, you know, I'm I'm a historian by trade, so there's uh there was a book came out in the '80s uh, called The Rise and Fall of Great Powers. Uh, by Paul Kennedy, and uh, it, it's about, the book is about the uh, the cycles in history. There are cycles in history, and you know, people say history repeats itself, whatever, but there are cycles. There's grand cycles, and then there's smaller cycles. Uh, one of them is that hegemonic powers, you know, great powers, number one world powers rise, and they fall, and there's always a predictability to it. You can tell when you're in decline, and so I think most people know that we've been in decline for a while and uh, uh, th- and we, we see what the next power is probably going to be, the next hegemonic power is going to be. And uh, so that, that is going on at the same time. That's why all this stuff with China and you know, the fears of what China is gonna do. And at a certain point, it's, it's inevitable. There's not much you can do about it. And I, I remember talking to my students about this and they said, you don't sound very patriotic you know, by saying that you think that one day China will be the number one power or somebody else, more than likely it'll be China. But uh, And I said, well, it's not a matter of patriotism. It's a matter of, uh, you know, studying history and realizing that there's cycles in history and realizing where we are in the cycle. And um, and that's you know, that that's a major one. The smaller cycles would be like every 40 years we go through a political paradigm shift in, in uh, domestic politics. So we have, like, you know, uh, we just finished a 40-year cycle uh, based on when Reagan got uh, elected, and now we're into something else, which we don't quite know what it is yet. And I don't even think the people in power quite know what it is yet. But, you know, I'm not necessarily a political guy. I'm just saying that there are these cycles that work in history. And uh, so we're getting a lot of things happening at the same time, you know, you know, disclosure, as they call it. Uh, I I prefer to call it revelation rather than disclosure because it has a more uh, well, it has a biblical connotation, too. But I just think it's it's more fitting with what's going on with aliens and UFOs and stuff. But at the same time, we got this political paradigm shift and we have the, uh, you know, the hegemonic worldwide power shift that's going on. So we got to so much stuff going on right now that it's it's mind-boggling to most people. And, and then, of course, the, the pandemic. Throw in a pandemic or two and that, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> must we throw in a pandemic?
0: Yeah, I suppose I, we must. I
2: wish we didn't have to, yeah, but there it is.
0: In, in a lot of ways, you, you're, you're making the case for uh, Asimov's Foundation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, Um, because I'm, I just got reminded of it because, uh, was it Apple TV just came out with this amazing series of it. Uh, and I think I read the, the book originally in the, in in the, uh, maybe the mid Mm -hmm. (laughs) sixties. I think that really dates me. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) in any case, um, you know, that, that Harry Seldon was able to through, through mathematics, just kind of do this kind of grand mathematically scaled. Here's your future. <laughs> and here's what it takes. Um, and I'm not saying that I disagree with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a, uh, there's an interesting future out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and when you look at it uh, from a purely subjective standpoint, it's kind of positive.
2: I th- I think ultimately it 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 it, it is. Uh, I I tend to be an optimist, kind of a guarded optimist, but you know, optimist nonetheless. And um, I I always share my communication with this zero group that I belong to, kind of a smaller subset of the serial group. I was sharing it with a broader audience, like on on uh, Facebook, you know. <laughs> and I was sharing some of this, sim- and I I was getting attacked left and right. People, you know, saying so. so I just okay, that's fine. People are getting too upset, so I'm. I shared it with the the whole Ciro group and then some people even within the Ciro group where it was too much for him so then I you know <laughs> so uh, the head of Ciro said hey you know maybe you shouldn't share that stuff." so then there was a smaller subset and I share it with them and uh, now you know I, I just I feel you know like I have a, a, a place to share it and then you know I, and then when I go on shows like your 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 show and I'm willing to share as well but um,
0: it's always appreciated
2: it's totally yeah it's I, uh, you know, cause I, some people don't like to hear bad news, you know, and I, I understand that, believe me. Uh, but you know, there, there's a theory, you know, some people say, well, you manifest your own reality. So if you just, if you mention bad news, you're going to bring it on. And I'm thinking, no, that my theory is that if you know, if everything is leading to something bad, then let's try to do stuff to mitigate it. Maybe at least if we can't stop it, can we minimize the, the effect? Rather than burying your head in the sand and said I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to think about it. I mean, that's that that kind of stuff led to World War II. You know.
0: You know, I've always thought that it's better to
2: think than yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Which, isn't that the motto for IBM, right? Think something like
0: that. Yeah. yeah it's it's written like on that.
2: there. I, I I remember I was in uh, upstate New York and. I was, uh, when I was in defense contracting and we were at IBM and they, you know, that's the motto for the founder, you know, just think, (laughs) which is, it's a good motto. It really is.
0: So let me ask you one last thing, Mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with anything we've touched upon thus far. Mm -hmm. Well, well, actually it does. Um, (laughs) you're writing a new comic.
2: Yeah, and it is about aliens, actually. Oddly uh,
0: enough, it is.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have the, the two Snark comics, and this is a spinoff comic from Snark. Uh, Snark is a, uh, is an alien-human hybrid who comes to Earth, tries to help us. Actually, he has a mission to enslave us, you know, back th- from his home planet, but then he decides to help us instead, which gets him into trouble. So, uh, you know, Snark 1, Snark 2. Snark 3 will come out in a couple years. I'm ar- I've already written it, and it's, you know, being looked at by the, the uh, artist, Gary Dumb. But meanwhile, I have a spinoff called Dr. Jekyll Alien Hunter, and it's about a mild-mannered anthropology professor who uh, decides to uh, start, poly- kind of sounds like me a little bit, but it's not ne- necessarily me, but uh, a, a female anthropologist, and she starts, kind of picks up where her dad, who died, left off studying ancient aliens and so forth, but she's more interested in current stuff. And uh, she has all kinds of adventures. And um, so that comic comes out. It'll come out early next year. And I I decided to have a different since it's a a female kind of lead character. And she's not a superhero type. She's just an everyday kind of person who just is given very extraordinary circumstances and adventures. But um, I decided to find a different artist. Not use Gary Dumb, who from Cleveland, who's been doing mm-hmm. the Snark series. I decided to find. I saw the art of a young girl from Poland. She's only 19 years old, believe it or not. And I think I sent you guys the the covers, and you, can you see did. How, and I was just going to comment that the art is very different, and yes. and I like it a lot. She's very talented. She's got her own very unique style. It just struck me right away, and I st- started a correspondence with her, and I said. You know, I, I I write comic books and produce them and I publish them and I'd like you to to illustrate this comic and I sent her the rough drafts of everything I'd done. I mock up all the stories and the stories and, and so forth. And she said she liked it and she uh, decided to do it and she's doing a, a a great job. Yeah, her name is Julia Kazanowska, and she's going to be one day. That name will be very famous in the in the comic world because she's only 19. Can you imagine? when she's like 30 or 40, you know, after all those years, of, I mean, it's amazing. I was able to get her, uh, right yeah, now. It's, at the it's, start it's of her an career.
0: absolutely wonderful cover. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> if it's okay with you, I'd like to share it with the listeners. Yes. Uh, when, Jeez. when uh, we post this interview, because, yeah. uh, it, it looks like it's going to be great fun. Uh,
2: and it looks like, uh, and frankly, she's a terrific artist. She she is and and she she really dug my my you know my writing and this you know that fact that it's all ages you know uh it it not that I don't like you know adult comics too I'd like all comics but you know I just decided to make it all ages like Snark is and uh and especially important for I I think for you know there there are women you know uh, girls that are interested in comics more than a lot of people think but I think and it's not that you necessarily can't like a comic if you're a girl the, the boy lead, you know, character or or vice versa. But I just thought it'd be kind of refreshing to have a uh a lead character in a comic book that's not a superhero type. I'm not really a superhero Absolutely. type type uh, comic writer. So uh yeah, she's just like I said, a mild mannered uh professor, but with some unique capabilities and history and and uh yeah, so it's it it's a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun writing it and, and enjoying her her, uh, her art and, uh, and, and Gary Dumb has given it two thumbs up. He really, you know, cause I well, share stuff go. with him <laughs> and he said, she is something else, you know, hang on to her. So, and I, I will. So, so it's good. The franchise is growing, you know, snark, Dr. Jekyll and, you know, we'll, I'll just keep those things going for as long as I can.
0: It's, it's, it's difficult to keep track of what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's difficult um, for me. To, I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, I got the uh, the theater thing. I mean, the, we're we're going to do an animation of Snark. That's another thing we're doing. The same theater group that we've had during the pandemic, we're doing a uh, um, animated series. It'll be online uh, with Snark. So, and then we got lots of material to go on. So it'll be like little vignettes, little short. You know how people do it now. Everything's short. You know, little videos. Uh, uh animation videos using uh the actors that we have in our troupe uh, you know voicing the characters and yeah so that'll be fun. I, it, I yeah it reminds I, I just me of something. something go ahead I'm sorry. No no I'm I just I love it. I just like to stay active and, and it just uh, reminds
0: create. me of something that Betty Hill uh told me at the end of the interview. He just said whatever you do, just keep your eyes on the skies.
2: Yeah. I yeah. I agree. I, I do it every night. Even when it's uh, overcast and I can't really see the stars, I still look up and, and I, yeah, it's important.
0: We've spent the past half hour plus uh, talking with an interesting Renaissance man who does what he wants to do and does it because that's what he wants to do. Bruce Sowell, I'm. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, you'll be coming back. Uh, count on that.
2: Well, and, yeah, thank you. Th- <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it.
0: And, and, and thanks for coming by again tonight.
2: Thank you. And, and everybody take care.
0: Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Days celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and and barnesandnoble.com my peculiar family the audiobook is available on audible because i'm not sure where else you can find it our intro production was provided by rob watts for more of his amazing stuff just look at robwattsonline.com and don't forget to try the watt sauce we have you love it our outro was provided by lawrence made me cry you can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp, and a whole lot of love to JoJo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody.
1: That sounds good. That sounds perfect.